first reading this morning comes from the Old Testament book of Zephaniah. Zephaniah chapter 3, verses 14 to 20. Sing, daughter Zion, shout aloud, Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. On that day, they will say to Jerusalem, Do not fear, Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. I will remove from you all who mourn, over the loss of your appointed festivals, which is a burden and reproach for you. At that time, I will deal with all who oppressed you. I will rescue the lame. I will gather the exiles. I will give them praise and honor in every land where they have suffered shame. At that time, I will gather you. At that time, I will bring you home. I will give you honor and praise among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your very eyes, says the Lord. We continue our reading by moving to the New Testament, reading from the book of John. John 21, verses 1 to 19. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter... Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathanael from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night, they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there, with fish in it, and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. 
This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Amen. And may God add his blessing to these readings from his holy word.
Thanks to the choir again. Once again, we look upon the sacrifice that Jesus has made for us. The Lord is with you. He gives you victory. The Lord will take delight in you. And the Lord will give you new life. In Zephaniah, those words ring true and have rung true for centuries upon centuries. And there's one wee verse in there. It says, the Lord will quiet you with his love. He will take all, all anxiety, all protest, all noise as it were, to, but to humble us, to quieten us with his love, to give us peace. Powerful words indeed that God would do that for a people who in those days were without hope. Zephaniah spoke in those magnificent words and victory to a people in despair. Words of hope, words of joy, and words of reassurance were there. Do not fear. Do not let your hands hang limp. Do you know the feeling? Don't, do, don't let that happen to you. You've got victory in God. And of course, we would see the fulfillment of that in the passage in John that was read to us there too. But yes, a wee word about uh, Zephaniah. He was a contemporary of Jeremiah and shared his prophetic ministry of warning against turning away from God. Death, destruction, failure would come to Jerusalem, but there would be a day of restoration. And his words point forward to the saving of God's people from sin and death at Jesus' ultimate victory. But there's also a reference to the resurrection of Jesus and the renewal of the disciples. Lord is with you. His power will give you victory. Seven of the disciples had returned to Galilee. Jesus had told them to do this when he predicted his death and resurrection in Mark chapter 14. On the way to Gethsemane, the angels at the empty tomb also said, they reiterated the words, go to Galilee, you will see him there after the resurrection. He's going ahead of you. No surprise, therefore, that the disciples were found on familiar shores of the lake of Galilee. After all, they'd done what they were told. Jesus said, I'll see you at Galilee. The angels at the tomb said, go there, you will see, you'll see Jesus. But whether losing patience or whether just to, something to do with what they were familiar with, Peter said, I'm going fishing. Anybody coming? You can imagine the, the sense then of, of the folks who were maybe a bit frustrated. They'd lost Jesus uh, way back to somewhere familiar to Galilee. What was going to happen? Well, perhaps they were fed up, I don't know. But it would have been good to get back to their usual means of livelihood. Something familiar after the stress and grief of Jerusalem. It was a good thing for any of us to get back to familiar things after we've been bereaved, isn't it? We're encouraged to go out for a walk. It's therapy amongst the beautiful natural world. It's, it's good to get back to work, doing the garden perhaps, if that's your, your pastime, getting your life back into control. It's all part of the recovery process, isn't it? So you can quite easily see that going back to Galilee would be good for the disciples to do things that were familiar. After all, the craziness of Jerusalem and the crucifixion and then the word of resurrection. 
so important for us to get back to something familiar. But the problem with Peter and the others was that they could not get back to the familiar ways. They spent all night fishing and caught nothing. Exasperation, frustration, perhaps even a sense of failure. But it was in that moment that Jesus then appeared to them. Just when they were at their lowest, when they felt they couldn't even go back to fish, they caught nothing. Frustration. Or their best efforts. How often it can be the case for any one of us when we have reached the end of our tether, exhausted all our resources, not just fishing, but in every circumstance of life, and we try and try again, and we don't seem to be able to achieve what we once could do. Jesus calls to us, often to make just a little change. Cast your net on the other side, he shouted from the shore. What difference would a boat width make? How wide was the boat? I mean, cast your net on the other side. Just, just do it a little different. But because Jesus said so, then they did. And of course, they had this remarkable catch of fish. They were astounded. And then, of course, John, the disciples whom Jesus loved, it says, then he recognized it was Jesus. He had met them three years before on these very shores and then astonished them with a miraculous catch of fish. Jesus repeated the miracle to show them that he was the risen Lord. He took them back to that moment when Jesus astonished them with the miraculous catch of fish. And of course, struggling to get to the shore, they found some fish and bread provided by Jesus. Again, a memory of feeding of the 5,000 perhaps. Jesus would provide for the disciples when they could do nothing for themselves. I guess we could stop there and let that sink in. Jesus would provide for the disciples when they could do nothing for themselves. There were fish on the fire. He was providing for them when they'd caught nothing all night. Memories, too, of the Last Supper that Jesus provided. That he provided the bread and the wine as a memorial of him. And nobody else could provide that. But all of this to jog their memories and to remind them of Jesus' miraculous power, to remind them of that special bond they had with their Savior. Jesus was restoring the disciples, but he was also restoring Peter, wasn't he? There was one other important part of this scene. It's the charcoal fire. Peter would have had the scene haunt his mind when he warmed himself by the charcoal fire in the high priest's courtyard, when he denied his Savior not once or twice, but as we know, three times. And the shame and the failure, the disappointment was so deep that he wept. Remember, he went out and wept. He carried those wounds deep in his heart. But Jesus had important business with Peter. Having created the situation, Jesus addressed Peter. And notice, though, that he addresses him as Simon, son of John. Jesus took him back to the time before his confession of faith. And he gave him the name of Peter the Rock at that time. Peter the Rock, who let them down, Jesus down so much. But Peter then, of course, recognized his own vulnerability, 
his helplessness. He had once bragged that even if all the others flee and fall away, I will not desert you. I will not leave you. Because Jesus said, you will deny me and run. But in that same point, if you look back to Mark 14, you'll see it's there also that Jesus said, I'll see you in Galilee. So Jesus was already telling him that he would be restored. And here it is in Galilee. Even Jesus was planning that reunion. Do you love me more than these? Do you really love me? Well, show me. As we're saying, show me. Feed my lambs. Show me by putting into practice the love that you have in your heart for me. I believe Jesus was referring to devotion of the disciples and saying to Peter, do you really love me more than these others? When you said that back then, are you really saying you're better than anybody else? Do you really love me more than these? Well, obviously not. They all betrayed him and fled. Peter had to admit he was powerless to deliver on his promises. But he knew in his heart that he loved the Savior. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Another two times Jesus asked Peter, if you truly loved me, to drive home the thrice denial. Peter was deeply, deeply hurt. And Jesus had to get down to the depths of that pain and suffering before he could be restored. Three times Peter had to agree, acknowledge that he didn't have his own strength. In our own strength, we often fall short, despite of our best intentions, don't we? Something which we learn as Christians as we grow older, we realize how much we sin and still continue to sin, and we think we're not perfect, are we? This world is not going for a perfect direction either. We know that for sure. But Peter was given a second chance. More than that, Peter was renewed. He was restored, forgiven, recommissioned to pastor the flock of the Good Shepherd to carry on where Jesus had left off his good work on earth. What an incredible privilege. And that's where we are in all of this. And I, I keep thinking to myself, this is astonishing that that call still echoes down to us, even though we feel we've let Jesus down and we're disappointed, and no one knows perhaps more than me, and you're trying to be a, a preacher, and you, you think, oh, I wish I could have done that better. I wish I could have visited this person. I wish I could have done that. You, they, all the mistakes haunt you, as it were, when you're trying your level best, don't they? Even in, in our lives with our marriage and our families and our kids, it, things can haunt us because we wish we'd done better. And things don't work, always work out despite our best intentions. Yes, that's the way we are. But as Christians, it would be by Jesus' power. His power displayed in the miracles, the catch of fish, the feeding of the 5,000, the healing, all of these things, displaying he's a God of power. And success for Peter and indeed for the church is when we allow Jesus' ways and to be our ways, when we follow him, as Nien said at the end, then if that's the case, Peter, follow me. And of course, he would have to be sacrificed himself, Peter, from the description at the end. Yes, okay, you love me. Three times you've told me. Three times I've told you, feed my lambs. 
you know that I love you, then all he says is, follow me. Do you know, we're a stretch and a strain at the moment to see how we can reorganize the church and to, to make it an effective vehicle, as it were, for God's work in this world today. And I think primarily, primarily, can we hear what Jesus is saying? Even though you've been fruitless, perhaps, in this, this world which is turning its back on Christianity, and we can see that in, the, in all manner of things that are happening in government in this world, and, and it, don't we recognize that? We're not heading towards a utopia in our world. Human beings can make a real mess of things. It's only by God's power, the putting the net down on the side that he tells us to do so, whatever that may be. When we listen to him, then that's when the kingdom of God is built. When we recognize that with the best will in the world, with the best of intentions and reorganizations and plans and methods, we fall short. It is by Jesus' power that the kingdom of God is built. By Jesus' power. And when we listen to him to cast our nets on whatever side that may be, to do things a wee bit different, listen to his words in Scripture, follow the prompting of his Spirit, listen to one another, listen to one another as we plan and as we pray together. Listen for the voice of Jesus in the midst of it. Even though we may feel exhausted, frustrated, even a sense of failure, we're to cast our nets on the other side. Whatever that may mean for each of us, a little change perhaps. But it's something that God wants for us to follow Jesus. Jesus might take you and I to those places where we promise much and achieve little. He maybe stir our memories. The old devil's good at that, isn't he, for dragging us down. But God wants us to see that he overcomes, to realize that it is his power that forgives, his power that renews, his power that equips and saves, his power that changes people. So again, I say the church has gone through so many challenging times today, and we may feel we're in that place right now. We've been fishing now for what, how old are we? Many years in this church, perhaps, and many decades more. And for many of us here, we've been fishing and we're frustrated, but we're seeing the joy in front of us of young families who are standing against the tide and bringing the faith to the children, making Sunday a place where children can come to church and be welcomed. I know there's so much challenge for you, can I just say, a wee aside here. Uh, birthday parties are now at 11 o'clock on Sunday mornings, and football and rugby and all sorts of things. And it's a challenge for us to prioritize church. And I feel for young families, we do all do. My five-year-old granddaughter was told she couldn't go to the birthday party, but she would see all her friends at church, and she did. She was happy to see her friends at church. There are not, not easy times, but the, we may feel we're in that place right now. A frustration, a fruitlessness, but the call is to listen to the instructions of the Savior, to commit our love, our affections wholeheartedly to Him, and to follow. For remember, the promise of, of Zephaniah, the Lord is with you. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you and he will quiet you with his love. And he will rejoice over you with singing.
That's the Lord we sing and follow, sing to and follow as well. Lord, you have come to the seashore. Let's uh, sing again, 532 in the hymn book. And it's been the response of disciples down through the centuries, perhaps even a new response for us today. 